Well, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity once again to address all of you. None of us could anticipate that this is the way it would be done. But I just want each of you to know, and I'm picturing where you usually sit, so the room isn't empty for me. I've been here often enough, and Jeff has promised to laugh at my jokes very loud. <laughs> so, but I want you to know that I consider it a privilege anytime I come here to preach, but I also consider it a privilege to be able to address you when we're experiencing a time of crisis in our country. We have always talked through the letter to James about the fact that we needed to check our motivation. We are always on mission. And we had to operate in the opposite spirit. And that is so important right now. I called this sermon sort of tongue-in-cheek, Faith, Fear, Sanitizer, and Relationships. Because I think right now that's what all of us are dealing with. And all of those things could be scarce to us were it not for the grace and the sustaining power of God. There are so many questions that we can't answer right now. Why? Why is this happening? Is God judging America? What if? What does God want? How do I deal with this? What about fill in the blank? I am so aware of our fears and our insecurities and the questions that we have right now of our faith. How do I encourage? How do I exhort? How do I express God's heart? My prayer right now is that 80% at least of what I say will be the encouragement that we need, the exhortation that God wants to challenge us with, and all expressed with his heart to a people he calls beloved. The scripture we're going to look at today is Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, and I'm using the New Living Translation, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in that peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that God gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God our Father. Father, you are not limited by viruses or the media we use or who's in attendance. And you are listening and watching over all of our hearts right now. Father, I pray that in all humility, you might use me to serve, to equip, to encourage, and to challenge 
us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. If we are going to approach any crisis, we have to do that on the basis of our self-identity. And in this part of Colossians, this is what Paul is talking about, where we're starting. You and I are God's chosen ones. The Greek word that's used there is elect. You are also set apart. We're holy ones. And we are called his beloved. There is no circumstance on the planet that can change that. There is no disease that can change that. Yet, we must every once in a while, and perhaps more frequently in these days, remind ourselves of who we are. Who does God say that we are? Because if we can move in our identity in him, we can do anything that he puts in front of us, and we can be rest assured in peace before him, even when other things start to fall apart. Paul says you must clothe yourselves. Must is kind of important there. So we're not talking about an extracurricular activity. We must clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with meekness and patience. He has just gone before previously in this letter talking about things that we had to take off. And he didn't want to leave us without any clothes, so he told us what to put on. And this is good stuff to be wearing. This is good stuff to be wearing in this day, in this circumstance, in, in the place where we are. And, you know, I would just remind us again, one of my uh, foundational thoughts, I firmly believe that God has all of us on the planet at this time in history for a reason. And that means that we're not taking time off from the kingdom. That means we are still on mission. And that means that we are anointed for this time in history to bring him, to bring his love, to bring his truth, to bring his encouragement, and to confront fear when there's so much of it. So we must put on, and picture yourself doing this. It's kind of like putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. The word tender-hearted there means something that is sensitive to the touch. It is so soft. And the way God wants us to relate to others. Now, I understand that this letter was written by Paul to believers. But there's nothing that we're going to talk about here that doesn't apply to any other human that we interact with. So we need to be that tender have such a tender heart that we're sensitive when something touches it and we're willing to touch someone else's heart. With kindness. You may be noticing, as I do, that people are under a lot of stress right now. Whether you're driving your car, whether you're picking up your groceries, I'm still working because we provide an essential service. Um, People are on edge. And I can, I'm on edge too. And I can so easily get sucked into that because it makes me feel like I have the power over the situation. But instead, every day, 
God, enable me to be kind. Enable me to recognize the fear that is in the people who are sitting in front of me. Enable me to cast out that fear with your perfect love. That's kindness. And it's not something that necessarily anyone deserves. It's our mandate. (laughs) We just have to do it. And he'll help us do it. With humility. And you know, it's interesting Paul talks about humility here because humility was a virtue that the Greeks did not appreciate. They considered humility to be weakness. And Paul says we must clothe ourselves with humility. We must clothe ourselves with the attitude that everyone else ahead of me. I must think of others before I think of myself. Whether that's family members that, you know, we've gone through this thing. I'll give you an example. Uh, You know, we have a family member that, honestly, we don't like. And so we don't keep in touch a lot. (laughs) And we're going back and forth and back and forth about getting a hold of this person with all that's going on. And I'll be honest with you, we had some very selfish thoughts. You know, we didn't want to. It wasn't like we were just gushing with love for this person. But we have a mandate. We have something to do in this hour. And Lee and I finally got on the same page about that. We weren't both on the same page at the same time for quite a while. And, and we called. And there was nothing better we could have done than make that call. We had to think of that person more than we thought of ourselves. We had to humble ourselves to someone who has hurt us, quite frankly, and who has spoken ill of us. We had to humble ourselves and say, what does God want for this person? What does God want for all of us? Then with gentleness and patience. Do you know you can be humble and gruff at the same time? I, I just, I was over at um, Beverwick today picking up someone's hearing aid. And I, because the gentleman had passed away, he was our patient for years. And I thought of him when I thought about humble and gruff because that's exactly what he always was. When I first met him, I thought he didn't like me. And no matter what he said, it came across like cement. But it turns out he appreciated every visit to the office because he smiled and he laughed and he felt loved. He had been widowed for a very long time. So we want to have kindness and we want to have gentleness and patience. Gentleness, the image of gentleness in my mind is petting a dog or rubbing a baby's back. That's gentleness. Can we treat one another that way? Can we treat our family members that way? Can we talk on the phone to family members that way? That's our mandate. And patience. You know, we've talked about this before, bearing up under one another. You know, and some of us are harder to bear up under than others. doesn't matter. God's saying, be patient. I will make you patient. And I might even give you circumstances where you're going to know that you need patience before I give it to you. Because that's the way he works. Whatever he gives us, he wants to leave with us. He's not going to temporarily give us these virtues. He's not. Make allowance for each other's faults. That's bearing up under one another. 
and forgive anyone who offends you. You know, we can't say that we're all going to be in close quarters. Maybe some families are because they live together to begin with. But the last thing I heard from uh, the news was that they don't even want us visiting family members. That's what this is all about. But we still need to not let any aspect of unforgiveness or judgment stand in the way of our loving anyone whom we have contact with. I can't emphasize that enough because I see how we can make a difference in this society that was so chaotic before we all came together around this crisis. Will we be the major influencer or will we be the minor influencer? God wants to be the major influencer. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive each other. There's that word must again. Not an elective. Forgiveness is a requirement. And God left it on the planet because he knew how much we would need it. Above all of these, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony or perfect unity. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. How do we get the peace of Christ? It doesn't come in a bottle. We can't make our circumstances ideal so that we feel peaceful. It's kind of like the fear of God. Not a feeling. The peace of Christ is not a feeling. And the way we get it, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That in itself could be a sermon. One of the things that really struck me, and I may have shared this here before, the first time that God kind of put a highlighter under that verse to me, and with thanksgiving. We're good at presenting our petitions. We're good at trying not to be anxious. But we need the peace of Christ not to be anxious. So by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving. And some of you may say, what do I have to be thankful for right now? I can't work. I'm not making any money. There are people in my family who probably have the virus. So that means I'm probably going to get the virus. But at least most people survive it. We can always say, thank you, Lord, that any crisis in my life brings me to you. It makes me think about how you would handle this. It makes me think about who you are to me and who I am to you, which is what Paul is talking about in this part of Colossians. As a matter of fact, when Paul wrote that letter, he was writing it to kind of deal with a heresy that was in that part of, of the Greek community. So we're not dealing with heresy, but the overriding theme of that letter is the theme of Colossians is the complete adequacy of Christ. In everything you and I experience today, tomorrow, and the day after, and the month after, Christ is more than adequate for us. Then he says in verse 16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. 
And I encourage us to meditate. What is the message of Christ that filled my life to begin with? Is it still doing it? If it's not, God, let's do business here. We need to all have full tanks in this day. We need to be able to do that. And God desires the message of Christ, the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of salvation, the, the opportunity to love beyond ourselves. He wants that to fill our lives. He want, people talk about, you know, we're going to have a baby boom after this is all over. I hope we have a baby Christian boom because we're all going to have needs exposed and we're all going to be saying to people, there's only one way to meet that need. Can I pray with you? Can I introduce you to Christ? Teach and counsel each other with all, wi all the wisdom he gives. We're back in James again with wisdom. With wisdom he gives. What did James say? If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask for it because God's got more than enough. Danny's paraphrase. And he wants to give it to us. And we are going to be in circumstances. Some of us that I'm addressing today are employers and maybe we're still working. We don't know how to handle this. And every time we hear from other people in the company, things are changing. Things are changing again. I thought I knew what I was doing, and now they're telling me this. I listened to a manager in New Jersey just say that to me last night. We need to ask God for wisdom. Men do not have the cure. Men do not have the wisdom to walk through this and see a culture transformed. I have very high expectations and a very big picture. And I believe there can be transformation in our culture when we as a church walk through a crisis like this. So teach and counsel one another. Don't say that's not my gift. The best encourager we have is the brother or sister we're talking to on the phone. It's a family member. And we are the best encourager that they have. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and hymns to God with thankful hearts. Worship isn't over, friends. Alexa can play worship songs for you and you can sing along with them and have thankful hearts. I don't know about you, but when I worship, I can't hold, to an, hold on to an unthankful heart. And when I worship, I become very thankful. I become very humble. I become very kind. I think of ways that I can be patient. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever we do, we do it in the name of. And you know what that means? When that term is used in the Bible, it really means do it as if he himself were doing it. So we're being exhorted to be Jesus for other people, to be Jesus for one another. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not being weird about that. I know there are some heretical controversies in the church about people being little Jesuses, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what Paul is talking about here. We have nothing to offer if we don't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. We have nothing. If we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, with thanks, we have everything to offer that he wants to give through us. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for your people. I thank you that there's nothing that you are not aware of right now in our lives, in our country, in our culture. And I thank you that in all of this you are at will and at work for your good pleasure. 
And Father, I ask you to minister to any fears of my brothers and sisters today. Your word says perfect love casts out all fear. And I just speak that word to any fear that may be in any one of you. Perfect love casts out all fear. And the love of God, the Father for you, is perfect. He could not love you more, and he will not love you less. In Jesus' name, amen.